Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. We've been looking together at Matthew 28, the Great Commission. We've said that and seen that Jesus calls those to go who are broken. There were 12, but now there's 11 disciples. It's a broken bunch in need of grace. And then we've seen that Jesus calls those to go who are broken in need of grace, who seek Jesus for direction. We saw that last night. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And now we come tonight to an important thing that those Jesus calls to go are those who worship him. Verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him. Now immediately we need to step into the classroom just for a moment. As we talk about Christians worshiping Jesus, Immediately, you might have a friend or a co-worker or an earnest neighbor who will tell you that uh, the idea that Christians worship Jesus is a legend that grew over centuries. Much, much later, um, that legend became a fact. But Jesus himself and the earliest Christians wouldn't recognize it. They would have never worshipped Jesus. Such an earnest friend will tell you that Jesus is a marvelous example that Jesus is a marvelous model of love for the marginalized, but Jesus isn't one to be worshipped. I just want to say very quickly, outside of the Bible and within the Bible, outside of the Bible, historically, Celsus, the second century critic of Christianity, one of his many criticisms of Christianity was this. He says, Jesus, quote, tried his hand at certain magical powers and on account of them gave himself the title of God, Unquote. That's in the middle of the second century. Earlier, the Celsus outside of the Bible is Pliny the Younger, the Roman uh, uh, leader writing to the emperor, emperor Trajan. He's writing to his boss, wanting to make sure he's mishandling Christians the way Rome would like them to be mishandled. And he says this, quote, They are in the habit of meeting on a certain fixed day before it is light, and they sing in alternate verses a hymn to Christ, as to a God, and they bind themselves by a solemn oath not to do any wicked deeds, to never commit any fraud, theft, or adultery, to never falsify their word, nor deny a trust when they should be called upon to deliver it, after which it was their custom to separate and then reassemble to partake of food, but food of an ordinary and innocent kind. There in A.D. 110, Pliny is saying the Christians worship Christ which itself, that phrase, it's remarkable that Pliny has, knows that phrase. That phrase means the anointed one of God, and they worship the anointed one of God as God. That's in 110 A.D., outside of the Bible. Now, within the Bible, the Apostle Paul's letters, written before this Gospel of Matthew, among the earliest uh, historical documents we have of the Christians written by Paul, there are, scholars tell us, hymns in Paul's letters that Paul either wrote himself at that early date or he received from the earliest Christians within just a few years of Jesus being resurrected from the grave. And so you will read, Christ is the image of the invisible God, for in him all things were created. For God was pleased to have all his fullness 
dwell in him. Or you will read, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but himself took on the very nature of a servant and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. That was written just within a few years of the Christians saying they saw Jesus alive, written prior to Matthew writing this gospel. We step out of the classroom, now back into the text and hear what Matthew is saying. He is saying, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed him, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. And so a dear friend who says that to you may be earnest and thoughtful, worthy of love and full of dignity, but historically, both outside the scriptures and within it, they are mistaken. The earliest Christians worshipped Jesus, and Jesus himself taught that worship, and he welcomed it. Here he is welcoming such worship. Now, Matthew has many things to tell us about worship. His gospel begins with wise men from the east, non-Jewish Gentiles, seeing a star traveling. And it says this, when they saw the child with his mother, they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasure, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Worship here involved bowing down physically and offering what one has, traveling through difficulty at personal cost just to honor him. Matthew also tells us of a time in the boat when Jesus calmed the storm, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. It seems in the boat there wasn't room for everyone to bow down. The worship here involves adoring Jesus and declaring who he is. You are the Son of God. And then when Jesus appeared here in Matthew 28, verse 9, to Mary Magdalene and the others, behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Worship here involved humbly bowing, taking hold of his feet, and adoring him. Perhaps the most complete picture that Matthew gives us the day Christians, uh, of, of Christians worshiping is what Christians call Palm Sunday. Matthew describes it this way. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. I know I'm a Presbyterian, but it says they shouted. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. But when the chief priests saw them crying out, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. And then he quotes the scriptures. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. Those rescued by grace, seeking Jesus' direction, will go into all the nations making disciples as those who worship Jesus. Missionaries are those who bow down physically to Jesus. They adore him. They offer Jesus what they have, traveling through difficulty and cost just to honor him. They declare with amazement who he is. They shout 
the names of who he is rooted in the Old Testament. They humble themselves. They grab, as it were, his feet. They take their clothing. They take their resources. They spread it out as if it was a red carpet for him to walk on. They shout blessedness, honor, glory upon Jesus. What does this mean? When they worshiped him in the Great Commission, but that they would have prostrated themselves, not in church, on the mountain, outside, in a small group, bowing down physically at his feet, shouting praises to who he was. What does this mean for us? Missionaries who go in Jesus' name are worshipers who adore Jesus' name. We must not put our hands to the work of Jesus without giving our hearts to the worship of Jesus. If you are broken and needy for grace, seeking the direction of Jesus with his people, and when you hear of Jesus, everything in your heart responds in worship, then take heart. You are starting to look and sound like the kind of person Jesus sends. But if you have the idea that you want to obey his call and you want to go, but when you hear of him, you are not one who responds in worship, then, dear ones, slow down. You're not quite ready. First, begin to ask God to give you a heart that will physically bow down in your living room or in your yard, your garden, and will shout, blessed, glory, honor, and describe all the names the Bible gives him. And as that begins to work in your heart, as the kind Savior disciples you and mentors you in that way, then, then, begin to think of going. And that's good news, isn't it? You don't have to be a hypocrite. (laughs) Jesus doesn't have in mind for you to be a hypocrite. Isn't that good news? And he doesn't have in mind for you to go on your own strength. Isn't that good news? The one who calls you internationally wants to ravish you with his intimacy. Those who go are those who glory in him. Let's pray together. Lord, here we are, thankful for your word, for your grace to the 11, the direction you gave to them, and the intimate worship you granted them. Grant it to us, we pray, in your precious name, amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.